All right, welcome back to another episode of the Student Athlete Sessions brought to you by D3 Direct. Today we're joined by Tyler O'Shea. Tyler is a former McDaniel baseball player, an advocate of underdogs everywhere, the founder of Joker Mag, and he has been kind enough to join us today. Tyler, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, let's get things kicked off as we normally do. I give the listeners a, a little background on yourself, a short intro, however you want to go. You know, it's, uh, you, you talk about college major, you can talk about, you know, whatever, whatever you feel like to, makes Tyler O'Shea, Tyler O'Shea. Yeah, so um, huge baseball guy growing up. That was my only sport. Um, played baseball through college, as you mentioned, at McDaniel College in the Centennial Conference, um, and kind of parlayed that into um, my whole experience of kind of being an undersized baseball player. I kind of parlayed that into a sports media site, um, Joker Mag, and that's what I'm doing now. Great. Well, let's start from the beginning then. Go all the way back. Uh, when, when did you start playing baseball growing up? Uh, honestly, from the time I could walk, I'm pretty sure. Like my dad was just always a huge baseball guy. He, um, he played baseball at Widener actually, and, uh, had a major league tryout and, um, things didn't work out, but he just, you know, always instilled in me the love for the game. And, uh, me and my brother were pure baseball guys growing up. Were you old enough to remember that? major league tryout or was that was that before you were it was yeah it was before I was born um but he always told me like he went out as an outfielder and my grandfather wanted him to be a, like a pitcher because that was his he was a college pitcher and for some reason my dad didn't have the confidence to go out as a pitcher and um went in as an outfielder and I guess the competition was really tight and I don't know it just was like one one little tryout and that was it but yeah the dream came to an end I guess yeah, but I'm sure many lessons that he passed along to you and maybe did he coach you during Little League and you and your brother? He actually, yeah, he actually didn't ever coach me. And I think that was for the best because he he's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like um, him and my brother used to butt heads a little bit because uh, he didn't really have the same passion for the game as I did, my brother. Um, yeah, but it was just, you know, he taught me a lot about just kind of having confidence in yourself and going back to that major league tryout story it was he didn't have total confidence in his ability and went out for a different position because he thought it was the best thing to do and it was um you know growing up he he was always preaching having confidence in yourself and especially baseball since it's such a game of failure um you need to keep you know a level head and have that confidence no matter if you're oh for your last 25 or whatever you have to keep going up to the plate with hundred percent confidence in yourself and your ability. Mm -hmm. And so did you take that mindset, that mindset of confidence and, and try to pick a position early? Did you experiment in the field and, you know, do some pitching, do some outfielding or, or how did you end up? I think you were a, you were a college second baseman. How did you end up coming to that? Position? Yeah, I was, I was always an infielder because I was a smaller guy growing up. As I mentioned, um, I pitched a little bit, but um, my control wasn't great. I mean, I pitched through like high school, I think, and then uh, really settled in at like middle infield. That was that was where I was always most comfortable. Loved uh, turning double plays and, you know, wasn't really afraid of the ball. I was a smaller guy, but I really just went out there and, you know, attacked, I guess. But uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I, I really miss playing. Yeah. And, and once you I guess you, you said you played a little little league. When did you start? I get figuring out in your own mind that this, this was a game that you wanted to keep playing and 
was it around, you know, trying out for school teams or had you already known in elementary school that you were just in love with baseball? I was in love with baseball from elementary school. I remember like reading, uh, I don't know if you remember the author, Matt Christopher. He used to write mm -hmm. a bunch of sports of books. We had a hundred book challenge in high in um, elementary school. And I would always read, you know, the baseball books that would come up. Um, and I was just, you know, I was dead set. I wanted to be a major league baseball player someday. So um, there really wasn't another option for me growing up. I was just like, I don't care how small I am or, or whatever. I'm just going to work as hard as I can and go take it as far as it goes. Who are your idols? Who did you look at growing up? I love Chase Utley. He's still my, my favorite player. Um, and totally on the opposite side of the spectrum, I loved Manny Ramirez. Hmm. Um, he was just such a fun player to watch, and he just had such a love for the game. And I think growing up, I kind of admired that because he played so loose. And I would sometimes get kind of nervous on the field, and I would, you know, take it a little too seriously. And you look at guys like Manny who just go out there and – crush it with just a, you know, kind of a lackadaisical attitude towards the game. And it was just um, something I always looked up to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now he was a fun player. Sometimes you wonder what he was thinking when he was on the field, <laughs> but then he'd have these moments of, of greatness and it all made up for yeah, it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Yeah. And then in middle school, what did you, uh, or high school, did you, you played baseball the whole time or what, what happened there? Yeah, so actually a pivotal moment, and I always talk about it, is seventh grade. Um, I went out for the team, and it was the first year on the big field, and we had the minus three bats, and it was – What is a bat. minus three bat How, so it's a, for non-baseball players? So it's a heavier bat. In Little League, you play with, you know, a drop 11 or 9, which is um, the length of the bat minus the, the weight in ounces. Um, so minus three is say 32 minus three is 29 ounce back compared to swinging with like a, a 22 or whatever. And it's a bigger barrel. It's longer. Um, so being a little guy, it was very difficult to even hit batting practice at those tryouts. So um, I was taking crow hops from shortstop and just really putting everything into it. And I just wasn't big enough. I didn't fill into my body enough to be able to like give this coach the confidence that I could play. Um, so ended up the last day of tryouts. I still remember it. It's burned into my brain forever. We went into the locker room. The coach shuts the door with the list. And I guess he didn't want to like read everyone's name. So he literally like shut himself in his office and like had the names on this list. And I like scanned the list, like up and down, like five times I was in disbelief. I was like, I'm not on this list. And it was embarrassing because all my friends were, and I was like, Oh my God. So I just remember walking through the hallways, like holding back tears and like waiting for my dad to pick me up. And my dad still says like, when he picked me up that day, it was like, he didn't know what to say to me. Cause it was like, I did everything I could, but I just wasn't like the only thing out of my control was my size. And it was like, just so frustrating. So ended up sticking with it. Um, I looked up, you know, on the internet in the early days, I was looking up like Tim Lincecum, Dustin Pedroia, David Eckstein, guys like that who were a little smaller on the smaller side and you know made it all the way to the major leagues and excelled at that level so um kind of inspired me and now that kind of bridges the gap to what i'm doing now is trying to share stories like that with with kids who might be feeling the same thing that that i was feeling that day because man it was such a i don't know such a defining moment in my life i feel like yeah yeah i mean i guess for anyone out there listening maybe it's not maybe they didn't make the 
not the seventh grade team, but maybe it's the, the ninth grade team where they didn't make varsity on their first try. And what did you do in that year? What did you, obviously, you know, you didn't know what to do that day. You were, you were in shock, mm-hmm. you're in disbelief. Your dad didn't know what to say. And, but what did you, how did you take that feeling and then put it into the, put it into making the team next year or, or just, yeah. What, what ended up going on that year? Yeah. So we actually had an in-house league and it was, um, family friends of mine, like friends growing up, their, their parents were their coaches, like their, their fathers and played for that team. I was like our leadoff hitter. And I, I did pretty well that summer. And it kind of gave me the confidence to like, you know, I think I can play. It just took me a little bit more time um, than other kids. So um, just kind of developed that confidence. And then I remember one of the kids saying to me that one of the kids who made the team when I was playing an in-house, I hit like a double or something. And the kid came over to me. He's like, you know, that coach made a mistake. He's like, you should have made the team. He's like, you're, you're playing, like you're playing your ass off, whatever. So having the stuff from my peers and then, you know, having success on the field kind of helped me get that confidence. Um, and it just came through, you know, working, working hard. And I know it sounds crazy. I mean, I was like 13 years old or 12 years old or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was just a time in my life that I had to make a decision and ended up sticking with it. Mm. Yeah. Pays off. I'm guessing you make the eighth grade team and uh, go on to, did you then play all four years in high school or what did that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, I, I felt like trying out for the team was like such a scoring time, like moment, like not making a team in seventh grade. So eighth grade, like I was like so nervous and then I ended up making the team and I was kind of like a, you know, a bench player that year. Um, freshman baseball went out for the team and I remember talking to my friend Mike and it was like, all right, if we both don't make the team, like it's not the end of the world, whatever. So we both ended up making the team. Um, you know, I was kind of a bench player the first half of the season, then got my chance at shortstop the last half of the season. Sophomore year of high school, JV ball, did pretty good there. Um, and then varsity my last two years of high school. Um, but it was still like just a steady progression. Like I feel like I really was a late bloomer and I really didn't hit my growth spurt until college. Um, mm. So, yeah, we can get into the whole recruiting ordeal if you if you want to. Yeah, I guess before that, was there any moment when you were playing in high school where you you impressed yourself, you were, where the hard work had kind of come to fruition? And you, know, you said you were taking crow hops from short when you were in that seventh grade tryout, but that you maybe turned a double play or, or had a big moment in the game that you were like, wow, I, I just did that and I've come so far. Well, was yeah. there anything like that? Yeah. So JV ball, my sophomore year, um, I was hitting really well. And the varsity coach actually called me and another guy in. He was like, Hey, like, I want you guys to practice with the varsity today. And it was like, wow, like I'm actually getting like noticed and stuff. And it was just like one practice, but it was kind of to the coach had an ulterior motive. It was kind of like to light a fire under the varsity guys, just to say like, Hey, like the younger guys are coming up and pushing you guys. But, um, that moment definitely for sure and then going into I think my junior year I started to really um, lift weights a little bit and just kind of learn about the gym um, you know and started to try to put on some muscle and that I think helped me and played a factor in you know being able to play at the varsity level in high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah and from what I understand the travel baseball world is is pretty pretty wild maybe it's become crazier since you left high school what did your travel schedule look like in addition to what you're doing for high school that's the funny thing is 
since I, I'm the oldest, um, my parents really didn't know how everything works with travel baseball. And back when my dad played, it really wasn't as, as big. Um, so I really, I played like, um, Legion ball and stuff like that. Junior Legion, um, Edco it was called, but nothing like travel where I was going all over the place and like doing all this stuff that you see, even like, I have like cousins who were eight or nine years old that are traveling all over the place. And right. it's just gotten so big now, but back then I really, I didn't do much of that. I was like, you know, local playing for summer ball teams and stuff. So then when it came time, I guess before we get there, maybe, did you always, you said you wanted to be a major leaguer growing up. Did you always know that you wanted to play in college or was there, was that something that you had to decide on in high I school and, yeah, I always knew I wanted to play college. Um, I just didn't know how to do it. And like I said, my parents, you know, were figuring things out just like I was. So I got involved in the recruiting process like really late. And it was like, I think the spring, summer of my junior year of college or of high school that I was like, okay, I need to figure out a way to play in college. And by then it's like the D1s, D2s, not that I would have went to that level, but like they're already pretty much set. Mm -hmm. And so academics weren't an issue for me, but it was just like, where am I going to be able to get an opportunity? So that whole late summer, early fall of my senior year, it was like going to showcases all the time. My grandfather would drive me on the weekends, like every weekend we go to a different showcase. Um, and, you know, some were better than others. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. And it turned out that that summer I was playing for uh philadelphia like metro team that i didn't know anyone it was like a couple of my buddies from delaware county pa that went out for this philadelphia like metro we were playing with all these like inner city guys that none of us knew and uh it turned out that the coach at mcdaniel was at one of the games and saw me play a couple innings in the outfield um and sent me a, a letter to come you know talk to him so went for a visit really liked the campus and I was like, you know, there's only a handful of other possible opportunities. And then when I talked to the coach, it was like, I forget what we asked him, but it was like, where does, I think my dad said something about like, where, do, where does Tyler stand in the process? He's like, oh, I'm recruiting him. He's like, he has a guaranteed, you know, spot for at least his first year. And we were like, wow, like, where did that come from? I thought there was more of like a process to this. So mm -hmm. um, that was when I was like, yeah, like, I love the campus. The school seems great people seem great. I did an overnight visit there as well. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to McDaniel college. Like this is a great place and ended up being a great four years. Really enjoyed it there. Yeah. Was there a, I mean, you talked about just having to learn the recruiting process in general, but did you also have to get an understanding of what D3 was and, and you know, that you, if you were getting recruited, it did mean you were going to be able to play and you were going to have this roster spot. Well, that's the thing is, so this is another pivotal time in my life. So I get to campus my freshman year and all the baseball guys are like, all right, we're going to go to the field, like all the freshmen. And I had no idea like the competition level was going to be like every single kid was like just as good or better than, than I was. And it was like, oh my God, like this is going to be really tough. And then we get to the first day of fall ball. There's like seven guys at second base and I was recruited to play second base. So it's like, there was a senior, there was a junior, there was like four freshmen that were all going out for second. And it was like infield outfield was crazy because it was like two deep, three deep at every other position. And second base was like just a line of kids. 
And I was like, holy crap, like it's going to be really hard to make this team. Like, I'm glad I have a guaranteed spot, but like I'm going to have to look into like transferring. And I was like, I need to get an opportunity. So it ended up the end of fall ball. They called me into the office. They're like, you were recruited. So you're state, you're on the team, but you're going to be on the practice squad and you're not going to travel with the team. You're not going to get a Jersey. So that was like, Oh my gosh, again, I felt like terrible. And I was like, I came all the way down here to Maryland to play college baseball. And now I don't even get a Jersey. Like what, what am I going to tell my family? What am I going to tell all my friends that are like all excited that I'm playing college baseball? And it's like, wow, like starting from zero again, like, all right, I got to make a decision. So I got tight with my one friend, Troy, who I'm still friends with to this day. And we just hit the weight room as much as we could and, you know, took BP and stuff like that. And on the weekends when the team would travel, we would be, you know, hitting the weights, hitting, hitting the field, throwing and just putting the work in. Cause I said, you know, I'm not going to go down easy. I'm going to, you know, do my best to try to, you know, at least get a chance. So turned out one of my buddies, I won't say his name, but uh, he's one of my closer friends now hurt his hand and uh, it was, he punched, he punched the wall or something like at, in the dugout during a game. Cause he was so frustrated. And uh, it was the last week of the season and they were like, Tyler, like we need an extra guy. So they called me up to the, to the team and I traveled with the team. It was actually to, to sophomore. Wow. That this is the end of your freshman year? Yes. The end of my freshman year. So I didn't play, but I got a Jersey and I was like, okay, you know, things, things are kind of looking up. And then we had a big turnaround with coaches, like a turnover of coaches that off season. So um, coming into my sophomore year, it was pretty much a fresh start. Wow. And then did you in carrying that momentum or were you, you go to the coach's office and be like, Hey, you know, the, at the, at the end of the season, I had a jersey. I think we should probably keep it that way. Uh, or, or did you have to re-earn your spot with the new regime? So I don't even remember what I did that summer going into my sophomore year, but I think I did put on some size. I, I hit a lot. And that fall, I just, like, tore it up. Like, I just, you know, it was a short – we always had, like, kind of a short fall season, like, um, beginning of September through like the beginning of October. But in every inner squad, I hit, like, really great. And it was, like, basically – gave the coaches no choice but to give me a chance so mm -hmm. um still it was like kind of a fight when we got to spring it was like three different guys all sophomores competing for second base and I was kind of the last one still to get a chance and then um I started to get some time at, at third base when when my friend Marty pitched because he was our starting third baseman and so they brought me over to third base and then one day against Johns Hopkins I hit my first ever um, home run like in my whole life and it was like a college home run and it was like really exciting and then from there on it was you know you're the starting second baseman the rest of the year wow what did that feel like it felt great honestly I felt like it was you know kind of meant to be like I don't know like my that was like one of the only games my family couldn't come to and it was like a weekday like Tuesday out of nowhere and just ran into one and you know, it was kind of a short porch out there in left field. I'm not going to lie. And people would, would bust on me about it, but home runs, a home run. So right. uh, no one will remember that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. I still have the video um, on my phone. I must've watched it probably 200 times in my life. Cause I, it was just such a big moment. I, it was just, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Send that to me. We'll get that. We'll get that included <laughs> in the show notes and make sure, make sure the viewers watch it 200 more times. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> what did you do after that after that game? You could give your dad a call. Who was the first person that got the news? Um, yeah, I think my family called me. I think because they were monitoring the the live feed, and yeah, Hopkins always had all the camera angles and stuff. So it was just a you know lucky time that it that it happened there. Yeah, I mean, it seems like I mean, based on I did some digging on the rest of your collegiate career, you you know became a mainstay in the lineup, made all centennial or at least all centennial honorable mention for a mm-hmm. whole season, which is impressive. And uh, fewest errors in the conference as a senior, almost hit 300. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So okay. you go from a, uh, you know, from think you're recruited to then maybe getting a little bit of a letdown as a freshman, I guess, what would be the message for anyone coming into college and, who gets that bit of disappointment at the start yeah. of their, their career? What, what, what would your message be? I mean, I, I coached for a little bit after college. Um, and I loved like speaking to guys like this because it's, it's never too late. Like, I just feel like I was kind of a, a late bloomer and I think I'm a prime example of like, if you don't give up, you can take this, you know, as far as you want to, um, and it was just about, you know, doubling down, putting the work in and just staying committed to it is a huge part of it as well. But um, I think the mental side, especially with baseball, you really have to stay mentally sharp and mentally tough because there's going to be times where, you know, I always I always brought this example up. I struck out four times. I was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts in my first ever college playoff game. And it was like the worst feeling in the world. Like I couldn't even like face my family. Like after it was like, just, I was so embarrassed because my whole family came and it was like the worst game of my life. But that's an example of like, you have to bounce back from stuff like that. You can't live and die by every single at bat or every single game. Um, or, you know, if a coach doesn't give you a chance, you can't say, okay, well, that's it. You know, there's always going to be new opportunities, another chance to, step on the field. And also another piece of advice that I got was come into this knowing that there's going to be a last day. Um, And that's something I wish I realized a little bit sooner was there's going to be a last game. There's going to be a last chance. Um, And, you know, it's still, I still remember like walking off the field for the last time at Swarthmore, like the end of my college baseball career, everyone's got tears in their eyes. Everyone's hugging each other because it's like you go through that grind with your teammates and, you know, a lot of ups and downs. And these are still, you know, some of the closest friends I've, I've ever made is my college baseball teammates. So, mm. yeah, that was a lot of different pieces of advice there, but. Um, yeah, all valid. All, all things yeah. that kids need to hear these days. So, all right. Yeah, well, let's change gears and pivot to you wrap up your college baseball career and you move into the working world. And you said you coached a little bit. Was, was your goal to stay connected to the game? And, um, if so, how did you do that? Yeah, so career-wise, I've gone through so many different jobs and stuff like that. Um, my family is in um, the stagehand union down in Philadelphia, so working on conventions, movies, sporting events, and stuff like that, concerts. Um, so I did a little bit of that. Got into coaching, so I coached at Penn State Brandywine for um, two or three years. I was the hitting coach, and then I kind of transitioned to like a, more of a volunteer role. Um, and then, you know, I moved out of the area, so that kind of uh, COVID and then moving kind of changed uh, that. So I'm still looking to get back into coaching, really enjoy it. Um, yeah, 
but it went through a bunch of different ups and downs. And as I mentioned, like COVID was kind of a pivotal time because at the time I was going for my real estate license and I just got it right before the shutdowns happened. And I was like, okay, like it's going to be kind of hard to break into real estate now and everyone's already established. So I better figure something else out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe one, one door closes and another opens because, because for everyone listening, I, I became aware of Tyler when I read a thread on Twitter that he had done a profile on an NFL player um, on this site called Joker Mag, the home of the underdog. And I guess it all makes sense now because you, you know, throughout your baseball career had this catalog of smaller guys that you would go to for reference. And so maybe, maybe I'm projecting, but by the time this COVID shutdown came, you were ready to roll with this new project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I kind of glossed over it, but out of college, I actually started the website, but it wasn't focused on underdogs. Um, it was just kind of all over the place. I don't know if you know anything about, um, you probably do your basketball guy, Bill Simmons, mm-hmm. um, the ringer. I always loved that site. I loved his old website, Grantland and in, in high school. Um, but I just wanted to start something of my own. I love to write. And I was writing for like a little Philly sports website started my own site and I was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to try to rip off Bill Simmons stuff because I love reading it. I think other people love reading it. Um, kind of had some conversations, made some connections. And I talked to a guy from front office sports. Um, do you know about them? Mm-hmm. So he was, he kind of gave me the, the pivotal speech of like, you have to focus on a theme, um, a niche. And I was like, well, the emerging theme, a lot of what I write about is like underdog stuff. And it makes a lot of sense to tie it back into my own baseball career and kind of what I was looking for when I was a young athlete. So um, when COVID started again, I, I kind of looked at, you know, what can I do? Um, and I learned a lot about SEO and stuff from Joker Mag. Um, so kind of really dialed it in, started really going all in on what is SEO? Like, how can I grow this website a little bit bigger than, than it is now? Um, and that we kind of took it from a couple of thousand people a month to now like 40,000 monthly readers and um, trying to really just get it as big as I can, because I think that there's so many young kids out there that can benefit from these stories and, and kind of find inspiration in, in these, these athletes who have, have gone through the struggles that they're probably going through now. And maybe don't get the traditional media coverage that a superstar does. And, you know, their name isn't blasted out there as much. Definitely. So, yeah. Do you feel like you would have loved to have it as a kid growing up? Like be able to flip through these profiles and. Oh, for sure. Like I I remember it was so hard to track down. And even like a a recent article we did was D3 players in the MLB. Um, And it took a lot of research to even track down that information. And I remember when I was little, um, I looked that up when I, fir- I th- not when I was little, but when I first committed to McDaniel, I was like, all right, well, what D3 players have made it all the way to the big leagues? And there was like a couple guys like Chris Heisey came up, um, outfielder with the Reds at the time and a couple other guys, but like finding that information is so hard. So I think putting it all in one place for people is going to be helpful um, for kids to just explore and like, you know, click their sport, find the profiles we've done, find the lists of guys that have made it through. Um, you know, whether it's undrafted guys, people from D3 or, you know, anything like that, the Juco route. Um, there's so many great stories out there that aren't getting this, this coverage, as you mentioned. Um, and growing up, I always loved when SportsCenter would do like that little five minute segment on like an underdog story, but it was never the, the focus. It was just kind of a break in the, in the news of 
you know, LeBron James or whatever else they're talking about. So. Yeah. I mean, where do you see the site going in the future? Is it something you want to keep rolling with or is it, is it a passion project? Where, where do you see it? I mean, it's still kind of a passion project right now. Um, we did just get our first sponsor and I haven't announced it yet because it's still getting settled, but um, that's kind of going to help us to, you know, invest more back into creating more content and, you know, finding new writers to help us out. Um and yeah, I really want to make it as big as I can because I, I am so passionate about it. I wouldn't have stuck with it this long if I, if I didn't believe that there was a definite place for this out there. Um, and I am, you know, I want to take it as far as it can go. I, I don't think I'll ever stop it unless, you know, something unforeseen happens. But um, yeah, I would love to get into, you know, maybe five, 10 years from now, making little mini documentaries and stuff like that, profiling these stories and athletes and just make it into an all-around media brand. And for anyone looking to learn more about Joker Mag or, or maybe trying to become a feature writer for you, where, where should they go? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's um, at O'Shea SEO. That's my personal account. And then Joker Mag HQ is our brand account. Gotcha. All right. Anything else? Any closing thoughts, Tyler, here? Or, or uh, last words, final advice for kids coming through the recruiting process now? No, I mean, I feel like I was all over the place, but um, basically I think my whole story and my shtick boils down to just doing the work when other people, you know, might want to give up, just keep, keep at it and stay consistent. Um, that's what's kind of gotten me to this point. And it, it's what got me to, you know, kind of go against the odds in my baseball career and, you know, play through college when, you know, coaches, coaches and other guys told me I, I couldn't do it. Um, when someone tells me I can't, that's what kind of motivates me to go a little bit harder. So um, that's kind of the underdog mentality that we preach with, with Joker Mag. Yeah, fitting in. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. This has been another episode of Student Athlete Sessions again, featuring Tyler O'Shea, founder of Joker Mag, home of the underdog, and former McDaniel all-conference baseball <laughs> player. Tyler, thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Carl. I really appreciate it.